This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi there, I'm Jason Gotts and you're listening to Think Again, a Big Think podcast. Ten thousand years or so of human history, and as far as we know, young adulthood hasn't gotten any less weird. My guest today is actress and filmmaker Noelle Wells. She's been a cast member of Saturday Night Live, she played Rachel on the Netflix series Master of None, and she's making her directorial debut with Mr. Roosevelt, a sweet, moving indie comedy that's ostensibly about a dead cat, but that's really about that very awkward and for some of us very protracted moment of coming to terms with life as a grown-up. Welcome to Think Again, Noah. Hi. Hi. I love that intro. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I, having having told having told everyone what I think your movie is about, like what what do you think? I your think that that's about? what the movie's about. I have a hard time articulating it. That's why I wrote a movie. If I was able to articulate more succinctly what it feels like to be a person kind of coming to terms with responsibility in adulthood, I would just write an essay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But to me... Which is why I basically wrote an essay. Well, you did a great job, and I was, <laughs> I was very impressed. I am um, not um, succinct with words, and uh, I'm all about... I just have a lot of feelings, and I'm always trying to figure out the best way to express them. Um, but yeah, so watch the movie. If you get an impression of what I was trying to do, that's hopefully um a success <laughs> yeah 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 so okay i mean so lots of questions um i we don't need like a point by point on sort of like how autobiographical yeah. the movie is um it's obviously partly autobiographical but yeah but yeah but but uh, we don't need to we don't yeah, yeah i think um it's such an interesting thing i I just wrote from sort of experiences that I've had, but right. to me it was more important to write uh, an entertaining film. Maybe, I mean, just maybe though you could like briefly summarize the story of the film just yeah. for people who haven't... Um, it's about a struggling comedian who had moved out to LA to pursue her career, but she doesn't quite know what she's doing or what she really wants to say. She has to go back to her college town of Austin because her cat gets sick and when she arrives there... Um, she finds out that her ex-boyfriend, um, who she left the cat with, is uh, now living and dating with a new girlfriend. And she has everything together. She's an amazing person. She's right. know, an Instagram persona, if that makes any sense. And so right. then like, there's just a battle ensues between, you know, ownership of the cat. And Emily sort of has to come to terms with the people that she left behind. Yeah. See, I'm not even good about summarizing my own no, movie. No, I think it's great. No, <laughs> I think it's great. And 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 indeed, I think one of the most effective moments in the movie, which I won't like give away in too much detail, but is when 
is that moment when Emily and her ex-boyfriend are very drunk and, and coming, they've, they've sort of had a kind of illicit reconciliation and, and are just dealing with it in the street in a very raw way. That's really, it's, it's a powerful moment. Yeah, I really like that scene, um, especially because she has sort of made it in her head that uh, he has been stripped of his personality the whole movie. And yeah. she feels like the ex or the new girlfriend um, has anesthetized him in a lot of ways. Um, he has given up music to become a real estate agent and um, she really believes in him and his music. And right. so them, you know, we get to see sort of some of his old spark come back and then they have this, um, they go at it in the street um, in multiple ways. And it turns <laughs> out that what she's projecting on what she thinks he should be doing is something that he actually doesn't want to do with his life anymore. And she right. thinks she knows it all. And he kind of cuts her down to size and is like, you are kind of a terrible person and you're really selfish and you need to grow up. And so, That's yeah, I, right. I love that movie, that that scene in the movie too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and there were other, like, there are a couple of moments and you were talking about how you're not, like, you know, you, you're not primarily trying to communicate always through through words even though there's obviously a script but yeah. that it's not you're not it's not about like wrestling the right words precisely into place it's more about you know conveying feelings and and images and moments and so on and there's like a couple of there's a couple of moments that are really weird and wonderful and abstract like the moment when toward the end of the movie where where Emily and I forget the name of the friend who kind of Jen yeah Jen yeah. are like running around on the lawn and you know in, in and it's essentially it's like an abstract playing out of emotion yeah that results in a very important kind of plot point yeah. you know but like but it's cool like you went you go to this sort of surreal almost abstract place and yeah like, I, I remember <laughs> well a lot of the beats in the movie are sort of absurd like nobody should be getting upset over the things that are happening but uh <laughs> like even beginning perhaps with the level of attachment to the yes, cat. Which yeah, people like, might not understand. Yeah, and yeah. so um so it really is all about the emotions. And so that scene in the yard, I remember like it's one of, it was obviously to me it was like, well this is one of the most important scenes in the movie and also hopefully one of the funniest because right. it's so ridiculous. And I had a, a crew member who was kind of in charge of a lot of things that set be like but really, why is this happening? Like, <laughs> nobody would be doing this. And I was like, oh, you don't understand. That's the exact point of us filming this. And he's like, well, she could get away from her. Why is it going? You know, he was like, she could actually yeah, just yeah. run away. And I was like, because she's so overwhelmed. And it's really more about something else. It's like a, uh, a standoff about something totally different. <laughs> I think that and like, you know, there's a scene where like every apparently it's legal in Austin to be topless in a yeah. swimming public swimming place. And the, this moment where Emily is wrestling with the fact that like all the girls around her are simply taking their tops off and jumping in the water and she makes the decision to do it herself. And that, too, is a sort of abstract moment that is like incredibly charged with meaning in terms of this kind of coming to terms with herself that Emily is trying yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah, that was also one of the scenes I was really looking forward to filming. I I love how it turned out. It didn't turn out exactly what I imagined it as, okay. but it makes me happy to hear that people connect with it because I because it, sometimes I'm nervous that it's not working when I watch it with an audience. No, well, I don't I yeah, I don't know. I mean, all, all I know is that like I just thought it was like really illuminating about Emily's character and yeah. what she was going through just trying to kind of yeah, own herself in, as an adult. Was, yeah. yeah. There's like a little bit of, 
I mean, comedically, personally, I never really did well in improv because I could never come up with the right words to say. But anytime I was doing group improv. No, wait, I'm sorry, interrupting. You went yeah. out to L.A. like to yeah. W- w- were you involved with UCB? Yeah, I, yeah I started yeah. doing sketch at UCB. I yeah. took improv classes and I was terrible at okay. it. Mostly because I could never find the words. But I always knew what should be happening. Or I knew how to augment the scene in like a, a good way. And so usually I would be on the back line and I would just... I would, anytime I would interject, it was usually just me doing sound effects or like doing people (laughs) that aren't saying anything because I couldn't come up with the words, but I knew what I wanted to convey. Oh, I'm sorry. As you're speaking, I'm thinking also of this moment where the ex-boyfriend is playing his guitar and you're doing this like crazy dance in the background. It's like totally, (laughs) yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there was a lot of that that... Um, I tried to pull off in the film. Some of them are more successful than others. It was still an indie film, and we really had little time. That whole party sequence, even with that whole dancing, I did like two takes of it. Okay. And so I never... How many... uh, Yeah, I know. I understand these days, like, even big budget productions are extremely restricted in time. Like, how how long did you Um, have to film the whole thing? The the whole movie was... uh, 22 days. It was a longer, it's a, it was a 108 page script. So we did 22 days, which is actually pretty generous for an indie film, but we were shooting on film. So that sort of slowed us down. Okay. But interestingly, we ended up shooting like a pretty good ratio, even on film. I'm sorry, for people who don't have any idea yeah. what that means, like on film as opposed to digital slows you down because. Um, because uh, you have to, because we're shooting on 16 millimeter, there's less film on a on a mag mm. and so you have to swap out your mags all the time so it, i think there's 11 minutes on a 16 millimeter or something like that okay. and so you can only shoot 11 minutes of footage before you have to stop take it off reel up another thing put it on Got and it. when you start filming you'll have you'll shoot like nine minutes on a on a mag and then you start shooting another scene but you only have two minutes so really there's like short ends there's there's this whole dance you have to do to try and keep it running pretty efficiently versus if it was digital you'd hit record and every once in a while you have to swap out a card right right yeah got it okay so what was it i'm sure you've been asked this a lot on on this like film tour but like what what was it like for you like first of all you're you started as a comic right Mm -hmm. you are also now an actress right or actor and you and now a director in this thing like what was it like for you kind of stepping into that role like did it feel like a big thing or was it just kind of you doing your thing in a different mode I think it was me just doing my thing me moving out to LA or even before that I had been writing my own projects putting myself in them editing them directing them, paying for everything. Right, that's right. You were were big on YouTube in the beginning. Yeah, and and even that was sort of, you know, I put my projects up on YouTube and people are like, oh, so you YouTube. And (laughs) not that there's anything wrong with YouTubing, but to me, it was just a platform to post things that I was creating. And so there's always a struggle of, but I want to do other things and I want to make this bigger and this this isn't my end goal to... Do you, do you deal with this? Like, I deal with this, definitely. Do you, Like, this thing of, like, 
trying to communicate to people what it is that you do yeah. and then and then wanting to say all of those things yeah. <laughs> and then having to realize at some point that like you can't say all of those it things. Doesn't, like, yeah, it doesn't. It's what's hard. the point? Like, <laughs> the point is like, okay, you think of me as an actress, that's fine. Or yeah. you think of me as a YouTuber, that's totally fine. Uh, yeah, literally it's not worth the fight. <laughs> right. I do think Emily is sort of struggling with that even in the movie. Like she's very resistant to anybody. She doesn't know what she does, but anytime somebody thinks they know what she does, she gets very upset about it. I've definitely realized nobody's ever going to know you right. and what you're capable of. And perhaps people close to you will get a glimpse into all your interests and all the things you can do. The movie is certainly a closer version of all the things that I can do because you see so much of it on display. But it's also, <laughs> it's just still such a fraction of what I'm thinking about all the time. Right. And, um, you know, now people are going to think I do quirky indie comedies and right. and that's going to be kind of following me around until I do the next thing that is going to change people's perception of it. But yeah, you, like you said, you can't waste your energy fighting the labels. The, the uh, scene in the movie that I get asked about so much is her jumping down the guy's throat because he calls her quirky. Right. She has a problem with the label. She has a problem throughout the whole movie about being labeled. But there's a level of immaturity thinking that you should waste your energy fighting people labeling. You. Right. You know what I'm trying to say? So even now I'm sort of dealing with this thing where I'm constantly having to talk about it, but then say, but I don't care. I mean, <laughs> yes, it bothers me, but I, I don't want to go on this big campaign or crusade to change the way people talk about me. It would be nice <laughs> if people talked about me differently, but at the same time, I hope that my body of work eventually will speak for itself. Yeah, I mean, you're in a business that where marketing is a big component of it, right? And marketing often comes down to explaining something complex in like one sentence. I mean, you know? I guess it's also very American. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm not in marketing when I'm in, you know, school doesn't need to market you, but right. I guess it's also just human nature to simplify. Yeah. And for me, as <laughs> a creative, I actually think everything's very complicated. And the more you try and simplify something, the more. I am more compelled, I feel, to like go deeper and tear it all apart. I mean, I, I don't, you know, not to harp on this, but I think it's all, I just think it's also a phenomenon of just being in, you're in entertainment realms at a time in history <laughs> when like the noise is so, the, the, you know, everything is so crowded and complicated that anyone trying to message anything is just like, what are the three words, you uh, know, like, yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're in dark times. <laughs> These are it's super dark times. Yeah, yeah. Co all context is just, it's like as if the meaning of context is completely evaporated and now everything's literally black or white Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's terrifying. I don't, I've always sought to be understood or to understand people and to understand things you have to, <laughs> you have to dig deeper Right. and simplifying. I mean, there's beauty and simplicity, and I I also recognize that. But well, and and but, but I would I would, I guess I would I'm agreeing with you. Like simplicity and and oversimplification are two different things. Right, because like, like yeah. simplicity, <laughs> something that's elegantly simple, then speaks to the larger context of right. what it's you know the simplicity. It <laughs> leaves room for the unknowns yes. or whatever. Like yeah, yeah, and we're here now where people are just being like, yeah, there's nothing left unknown. It's just the words yeah. and the literal thing, and it's uh, not good. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> so we're talking about like oversimplification and shallowness and so on. So that brings me to 
what I wanted to also talk about, which is L.A. And like <laughs> this thing that, you know, this path that Emily's following and that I guess you followed, right, that takes many different forms, but of like going out there to try to make it. What has that been like for you as somebody who sees things, sees the complexities of life, like just trying to like find your place in that over time? Um, it's been very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, and I don't, I'm, I, you know, correct me if I'm getting your trajectory no, no. wrong or anything. No, like, I went to L.A. to yeah. pursue comedy, and yeah, yeah. Um, but all the while knowing that I would be making bigger and better things through time. And um, I jumped into a world that was very, you know, everybody my age was just chasing after YouTube and creating viral videos, and that becomes this sort of rat race in and of itself where right. kind of a race to the bottom because if you're attempting to make something viral, they're... You know, you're you're chasing after lightning in the bottle, but also sort of like appealing to a common denominator that like was quickly spiraling to very to lows. Yeah, there was a dude who like had his girlfriend kill him basically Aww. unintentionally. You heard this, yes, right? Yes. Holding a Bible that was yeah, supposed to block the bullet exactly. and like yeah. It's just and um, uh, <laughs> when I moved to LA, I I started making you know I just started putting things up because it was just I was making things but not attempting to make anything go viral. I did have like a, a video that I made with my friend um, Molly that's kind of, that is referenced in the movie right. where I was lip syncing to Britney Spears' Toxic and pouring food on my head in a shower. <laughs> okay. And me and her were more excited that there was like an element of, the we thought the thumbnail was really funny because it was just a girl in the shower. We thought we would trick like a hundred dudes into clicking into it and then we troll them. But it was more just supposed to be our own personal joke about right. how, and, and we and were. And did the did the stats bear you out? Like when you looked at it later, like could you oh, see it was like mostly men? Like, oh, I'll tell you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So within <laughs> within a day, twenty four hours after posting it, our video that we thought would just troll hundred people had over a million views. So that was the first taste of what going viral was like and what it feels like, and also to <laughs> having everybody sort of project onto you what you were attempting to do with that. And I had just mm. moved out to LA and everybody w was like, oh, so that's what you're doing with your career? You're trying to make viral videos? And I was like, no, but I didn't take it down because I, I also thought to me it was still very funny. It, you know, just the bigger idea of all of it was very funny how two girls accidentally got a viral video. But right. we were making comedy, but nobody was seeing it as comedy. So that's kind of referenced in the movie with a video. They weren't that understanding it as comedy? Um, most people, um, <laughs> uh, the top comment was, I have the weirdest boner. <laughs> and it was I... just a comment that <laughs> happened over and over and over again. And then a lot of people saying there are starving kids in Africa. So we just got two repeating comments. Okay. And, Either uh, you're, yeah, you're a like selfish, messed up millennial yeah, or, yeah. or like sort of weird lust. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm appealing to somebody, <laughs> some perversions that I've tapped into unwittingly, but, um, and even then people didn't, you know, very few people even comedically understood what had happened. And I thought it was, I thought it was funny. It was like this sort of bizarre. I mean, it's experiment. actually kind of interesting. Yeah. Meta prank. You're, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. It has like, 13 million views now uh. and people actually there are people that really enjoy it there were a lot of people that made uh versions of the video themselves right. doing it so there's something kind of beautiful about that so it has there's there's um fan fiction that basically. Fan, yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah people there was a guy that had a wig on a man put on a wig did his own version of it <laughs> i find that very charming and interesting yeah <laughs> uh that it took on this life of its own but yeah i moved out to la and 
I, I knew everything that I was doing was like, look, I don't know how to say all the things I want to say yet. Right. I had to make things to make that happen. Nobody's going to, you know, weird clubs and sh doing screenings of weird art videos anymore. Everybody's just putting it on YouTube. Yeah. There wasn't really a, sh a community to sort of jump into that were doing similar things or talking about the same things that I wanted to do. And so, yeah, I, I hope I find my people. I feel like... Um, I think people are going to be growing up and maybe taking things a little bit more seriously or wanting to get at things that mean a little mm. bit more. Not that everything has to be super serious, but it's just, are you chasing after YouTube money or some quick sell or do you want to make art or make something that speaks to something? Yeah, uh, we, I was kind of talking about this yesterday with Manoush Zamarodi, who runs this podcast, Note to Self, about technology and mm. has like just written a book about technological addiction and this kind of thing. And, and we're, you know, it wasn't the first time that this thought had occurred to me that there will be some backlash. I mean, this generation that is now growing up with all this stuff, like looked at from the vantage point of like Gen X, it's kind of like, oh my God, look how shallow this stuff is. But they've, there's got to be some the backlash because it's all happened so quickly, you know, and yeah. suddenly we're in selfie world and like it can't last forever like that. Yeah, you know? I don't think it will. La I I was I think we're not in get that form, you know. I like, don't think we're. I think people are going to grow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think my movie sort of hinted on some version of that, and I, you know, the next yeah, couple yeah. projects I want to do is some version of that as well. I thought a lot about you know the confluence of the internet, uh, a crashing economy. And I think the truly psychologically, spiritually, and um, you know, emotionally traumatizing event that was 9-11 has, all of those things have combined to really impact my generation in a way that I don't think people have really studied or even become aware of. And I, I, I think right. we're stagnated. I think we're very fearful. There's, you know, I, I thought a lot about how come we, there's so much love for nostalgia mm. and how people my age love things that happened to them when they were kids. And I think it was because it was the last time they truly felt safe or like that there was any sort of, uh, like future. <laughs> right, and, right. um, so this is just kind of getting a little bit more out there, but yeah, I no, that's good. Yeah. But Let's I do, get out there. <laughs> but I do, uh, I do believe that we will start recognizing how sick we are because I do think the internet addiction is an illness that is, a, it's an illness and it's a, it's this illness that people are making money off of us being ill. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah. there, there, there are people that make money off of the fact that we can't get off of our phones and the fact that there's no sort of morality governing that, or there's no sort of outcry against that. And that every, everybody wants us to still be on it because it makes people money. And, and also, I mean, you know, not to, not to turn this into the technology is all evil show, but like, but it also, even worse, seems to then like coerce a generation of creatives into sort of prostituting themselves in a way like into the same system, yeah, profiting off of the system that's profiting off of them. Yeah, and like you say, the technology isn't evil, but there has to be a standard and a morality and a philosophy that we collectively uh, let it govern us by or we govern it. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's not really been established. And <laughs> weirdly, I don't really... I've always felt that it was problematic and nobody's really been talking about it and so many people huh. bought into it so quickly. And I benefit from technology. I... I tweeted and, you know, I tell jokes right. and I share pictures on Instagram and I uploaded images to Flickr and I've put things on YouTube and all these things have definitely benefited me. 
it's just it's so all encompassing and it owns so much and yeah, yeah. you just can't you can't move without you somehow playing into the system. It's a they're public spaces, but they're privatized. Right. So I think I'm getting to express myself in a public space, but that's not really what's happening. There are people's agendas we're having to meet. I recently had a thing on Twitter where I, I got reported for abuse because I made a political statement about misogyny. And, what? Uh, some wait, 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 yeah. wait, stop, unpack. I had been making this pun. Every time there was gun, gun violence, I truly believe that violence is misogyny. People that defend their right to commit violence are men, uh -huh. right? Okay. So that's part of misogyny. When we're saying we don't want guns, like most, you know, liberal people don't want guns. Most women don't want guns okay. because it's a power dynamic where people are saying it's my right to kill you. Right. It's my right to, and that's part so of- So this is a male, impo male feeling disempowered, acting out right. kind of against a- something, some system or that he feels is trying to... Take away, disempower him. Yeah, okay. And overwhelmingly, and this is, you know, we can all make these... We can... <laughs> we can we, there, there's obviously women can be violent as well, but overwhelmingly... Oh, the, yeah. Violence oh, yeah. is a per We have yet to have a female school shooter. I mean, when we say yeah. that, and of course, somebody might do it, and it'll like... Well, th let's hope they don't do it because of but, this podcast. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay, <laughs> please, <laughs> please, ladies, there's, I can, there, let's just talk. There's I'm another sure. one, yeah, call We in. can de-escalate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah. I've, I've been saying, like, men, you know, and then I made a pun, and I've been making the pun, which is, uh. we have to, guns, we have to have gun control cut off their arms. Okay. Right? So okay. here's the pun. Firearms, whatever. Uh, I made this tweet and then I got suspended. My account got suspended because it was saying that I was being abusive to a group of people, which we, I think. Wow. So the, the irony of all this is, first of all, I was making a pun. My pun was intentionally ironic by, by me calling out violence, but then me using sort of a faux violent reversal of right, it. Because right, it's like right, cut right. off their arms is a violent image, obviously, if you take it out of context. Yeah, subtlety doesn't always play this on is what I'm talking, social media. This is what I'm talking about. So then, and then I appealed my suspension multiple times and I just kept getting denied it, right? Wow. So on the flip side of that, when I report when people are harassing me, literally saying horrible things, I've had somebody, I don't want to even bring attention to it, but I've been having this person who makes fake accounts and attacks me all the time, is sharing these things that just aren't true about me that are really terrifying to see somebody doing this and there's nothing I can do because this person's anonymous, but report them. Right. When I report them, they say that there's nothing I can do about it. They say that they're not taking it down. And so it's just this very weird... Um, we're, we're in an ecosystem where the power, you don't have the and shadowy entities yes, it's, in some office building I've, are making decisions. Exactly. And, yeah. they're, and um, <laughs> I, I kind of feel like we went off on a little bit of a tangent. That's okay. Stuff, Tangents but, are allowed um, on this show. Yeah. I guess the overall, my overall hope, it's just we have to extricate ourselves in a way or stand up so, so together are, and get out of this until we develop a philosophy that governs it and we can all recognize what's happening. So without asking you to sort of solve the internet, <laughs> um, what, what, I will what, try. <laughs> I could try. I, I don't doubt it, but like what, what, what are you, Noel, like currently thinking of in terms of, you know, you talked about, you know, within what you can disclose or whatever, mm -hmm. but like, you know, where you'd like to head in terms of things I create. Yeah. Things you make that counteract this kind of you stuff. You know, or, it's if that's not is that too much? To no, ask? I mean okay. I have multiple 
movie ideas in my head, uh-huh. things I would like to write. Sometimes it feels very selfish to be like, well, I'm going to write a movie and like get to act. But I do think... That's what you do. That's how you're that a is, communicator. That's I like what to you keep, do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but outside of that, I think um, <laughs> my next movie will be dealing with all of this sort of directly and who knows if it'll be a successful movie, but I do think it'll hopefully get to share my thoughts about where we are. And outside of that, I, I really believe in helping people curtail the toxicity on the internet Mm. and to do that it's how do uh there's like a level of like teaching people how to think if that makes sense (laughs) yeah sure critical thinking critical awareness of the world they're living in right Uh, i saw i saw bill nye give a talk and he had a good point where he was like we we've taught kids critical thinking skills we need to teach them critical filtering skills Uh where you can look at something instead of you know, you have to become like the Russian troll situations. (laughs) Like they're messing with us and you have to be one step ahead of them. I had a situation. So going back to this tweet, I posted on my Instagram when my account got suspended, basically being like, look, our president gets to fight with world leaders, basically harass women, be racist. And yet he's getting to still tweet. I make a pun. My, I get my account (laughs) suspended. And then somebody started commenting on my account being like, or you're being rightly punished for your misandry and racism because I had said something about white men because I know those are the people that reported my thing. Okay. And so, but here's where, where I, I was like, here's where this is the crazy thing. They were commenting from an account with an, an image of a beautiful African-American woman. So I was like, my first instinct was like, oh my God, like how could how could she misunderstand me this way, right? So that was my first instinct. And then I was like, wait a second. Let I'm me being click, trolled. Yeah, what's Let me on? click on this thing. Of course, this person has zero followers, is a troll. It is literally a troll who has understood that you can divide liberals and pit them against each other or yeah, yeah. start fights with people by using images of a woman who basically suffers the most at the hand of like white misogyny. If you, if they if 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 it's not yet possible to write an algorithm that does that, it soon will be anyway. Right. But yeah. Yeah, like, so they just like, and so I reported the account, yeah, it got yeah. taken down. Mm. They created another account immediately. Mm. And it was such an interesting thing. I was like, you know, I don't ha- I have followers, but I don't have that many followers. How did they find my account? Like, how did this happen? Why did I get targeted? Keywords. Yeah, they like reckon they must have. And so I, instead of like fighting with this person, I was like, I see what's happening. People need to see that this is happening under, you know, I, one of the solutions I think is we need to remove all comments section. There's no way to really quite uh, get people because the sickness is people fighting with each other and thinking you can get anywhere by fighting with somebody that's in another state that's right. like doesn't understand your point but of view. But I mean, removing commenting from social media basically makes it not social media anymore. I so mean, do we maybe we go out and we start talking to each other more? I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'm cool with that. We could we could do that. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure that'll present a whole other layer of problems. <laughs> no, but I find it refreshing to hear um, hear you talking this way, and so I'm I'm totally I'm I'm on board with this movement. Cool. That's cool. pretty cool. I think. We'll figure it out, though. Hopefully, um, I do think the point of being alive is hopefully to eke out some level of happiness. And I think we can all agree the Internet is making everybody very unhappy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. And there are a lot of smart and tough and, you know, uh, independent minded people in the world who can who can counteract this stuff if yeah. they want to. Yeah. 
Yeah. Is that exhausting? No, that was wonderful. (laughs) That's not exhausting at all. But um, I think that is a perfect place. And this I'm saying for the audience, let's let's move into the second part of the show, which is where we are going to look at some surprise videos that could be on any topic and just talk about them. Sound good? Yep. Okay, cool. Oh, this will be fun. Okay, so this one is Reza Aslan, who is a commentator, academic, and writer. Uh, mostly about religion and theology. And this one is called, What is Religion for? Morality, Power, Evolution. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Over the last couple of hundred years, there's been an enormous uh, amount of thought that's gone into the question of why religion? You know, the one thing that we all agree on is that religion has been a part of the human experience from the beginning. In fact, we can trace the origin of religious experience to before Homo sapiens. We We can trace it with some measure of confidence to Neanderthals, we can measure it with a little less confidence all the way to Homo erectus. So we're talking hundreds of thousands of years before our species even existed. So the question is why? You know, if religion is a universal phenomenon, or rather I should say religious experience, if religious experience is a universal phenomenon, if it can be traced, in all peoples, all cultures, and throughout all time, then there must be some evolutionary reason for it. There must be a reason, some adaptive advantage to having religious experience or or faith experience. Uh, Otherwise, it wouldn't exist. And so there have been, over the last couple of centuries, uh, numerous attempts to figure out exactly what that adaptive advantage would be. The most popular explanation, of course, is the sociological one, that religion creates a sense of cohesion amongst a a group, and that that sense of cohesion, the idea that we could uh, come together and create a collective identity based on shared symbols or shared metaphors, gave uh, an adaptive advantage to believing communities that non-believing communities did not have. That's a pretty good answer. The problem is that religion is as much a divisive issue as it is a cohesive one. It's as uh, good at creating out-groups as it is in-groups. And more importantly, the problem with that, the social cohesion theory, is that uh, kinship was a much more powerful and much more dominant form of social cohesion than religion was. Our ancestors lived in small communities that were bound together by by blood, by relationship, by by kinship, uh, long before they created symbols and mythologies in order to unify them. (music) 
We can go any way with this. I mean, where do, where do you want to go? Well, <laughs> I will just say my <laughs> gut reaction is that I don't necessarily think that a religion arose as an evolutionary sort of advantage. I think it is just an attempt to codify human experience in the same way that art or language attempts to describe things that are happening. Um, and I, I think um, it's a consciousness experience and it necessarily brings people together because it's bringing, <laughs> when religion works or when a spiritual exist, or experience is sort of taking hold of a group of people, right. um, it actually does meld and bond people. Right. And those experiences I think are so powerful and then people have such a strong sense of what really reality is all about that the reason why then religion becomes so divisive is because then people that don't have those experiences sort of uh, want the power or the right. the benefit of what they're seeing those spiritual experiences happening they they and they so people outside of the community feel threatened by yeah, that or they want to or they want to capture it or want to have the power that that experience actually has i would also i would also po point out you know that like it happens within the communities as well. Like somehow, you know, I, what this made me think of in terms of this idea we were talking about that society has lost direction overall, mm -hmm. right? And that, you know, people in the past and still in many places look to religion for that sense of meaning and that, that sense of cohesion. But like, not only does it create sometimes alienation between groups, but also within the group, as soon as you have this kind of like shared structure of meaning, it often seems to set up internal hierarchies, right? Like yeah. who is the keeper of the secret? You know, yeah. who is the closest to e it? You know? Yeah, it, and that I think, and that is just human ego. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I think that can apply to everything. Like, well, right. I know more than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I just, I think a lot about those like sort of utopian communities that people have tried to create at different times in history. Like yeah. in the 1890s, they were doing a bunch of them in upstate New York. And then we know about, you know, the late 60s and sort of hippie communes and whatever. Yeah. And how they all seem sort of to kind of fall apart. apart. <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, because, because somebody. Um, Sleeps with everyone. Is it's what always about happens. sex. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's yeah. always. It's actually just. Um, gosh, I really do think <laughs> so much of the problems in the world are just like weird power structures yeah. and people wanting power over other people. Mm. Um, that is just the fault of human nature. Is mm. you know want. It's such a weird thing, and uh, I think so. And going back yeah. to what you were saying before. Like, if women were in charge of everything, would it be better? Okay, so <laughs> I have a lot of opinions about this as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've spent so much time trying to prove that women are equals to men, that men or that women can do anything that a man can do and that they should be valued, right? Right. And then there's this, this idea that, well, women should be in charge. I actually think the balance is that men and women coexist and actually just respect each other's uh, talents. And right. I, I believe that intuition is a very real thing that uh, women have a lot of access to. That is a kind of a weird thing that men, it's hard for men to understand. Um, and that's a lot of why we've been sort of enslaved and put underneath men because it is like a sort of power. But if men started respecting that, that our capacity to do that and start valuing women, then the need to like, be on top wouldn't necessarily right. need to exist amongst men or women that we would find ways to cohabitate. And so it really is this power, any power dynamic is, is really the, the, the heart of like all of our problems is when anybody wants to be like, well, women should be on charge. It's like, no, that's just going to make, because 
there are women that don't understand how things should be run and to then use right. just the, your existence as one sort of group as a way to put down another group is just definitely not the answer. <clears throat> I mean, I can imagine someone in the audience, so I should put this like footnote, which is that like, maybe we're talking about like gender energies, you know, yeah. more than we necessarily are talking strictly about men and women, right? Yeah, exactly. Ma yes, masculinity, yes, yes. femininity, and, and those, those, those energies. Like so we're talking about it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and yeah. all of, uh, yes, a man can have both energies. Right. And a woman. I think what it is, is just heightening, um, our awareness and it's kind of, you know, religions, uh, sort of are about recognizing the inherent energies that are in the universe that sort of right i think our real battle is battling literalness <laughs> and it's complicated <laughs> because i love i i'm a big fan of like math and science and very liberal or literal uh sort of minded things fact-based fact yeah. i love facts facts right, are great right, right. but um without context and without a holistic uh perspective on them those things can also can be perverted and twisted right. and we see now now there there's fake news like there's just ways that <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, where yeah. we have facts and then that but now there's not this like sort of holistic point of view I have a lot of thoughts. About, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, but yeah. Actually, amazingly, you've you've hit on not not necessarily having read Reza Aslan's book. You've hit on like kind of the central thing he was saying when I was talking to him, which was about he was basically trying to say that a lot of the problems that arise within religion are a result of people taking things that ought to be symbolic, ought to be metaphorical, you know, ought to be understood in an intuitive, personal way. Literally, yep. and that plays out, yeah, everywhere. And right? that plays out yeah. in art and cinema right. and communication. It's this psychological game of um, also humans needing to be right and mm -hmm. defend their point of view. Right. Because if your point of view is somehow wrong, and I'm doing that in quotes, right. it feels like to the human psyche that you're uh, you're going to be obliterated. Right, right, right. And right. We're, the only thing we're afraid of is dying, whether that's literal death or some kind of Being mental... Being made spirit. irrelevant in yeah. the conversation or whatever, yeah. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> this is also another place that I think our culture needs to move to. Um, I really don't like the punitive nature that we've you know, this like, you're right and I'm wrong. And the sort of culture of outrage and Out let's totally destroy. Although I, yes. I have to say like that becomes problematic and that's a whole nother rabbit hole that maybe we don't want to go down. But like when it comes to this, like Bill Cosby, Charlie right, Rose, right, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a whole nother, well, you know. It's like, yeah, well, we can definitely say that that's wrong. <laughs> but um, yeah. oh my so, gosh, anyway, we're, so, yeah. we're so messed up right now. Do you know what I mean? Uh -huh. I, 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 there, I gave this other interview where I was like, listen, I'm, I'm so happy that this is coming out because most of my life I've lived in an existence where I don't understand why I feel so bad and why bad things are happening to me and why I can't be taken seriously and why mm. I'm doing all the same things as men in my life. And yet I'm, I'm the one that keeps getting let go from jobs just for sticking up for myself. And then having these, these things finally come to the surface. It's like, Oh, now people can finally hear me and understand yeah. what I'm talking about. And it just raises everybody's consciousness level <laughs> on the flip side of it. Yeah. These it's going to become tumultuous because now people are going to see this as an opportunity to punish people when 
you know, you know yeah, what I there, mean? There like, will be there will be there's going to be some casualties. Hunts as well. Yeah, <laughs> yes. and and it and it. Uh, I was I was thinking the other day that there would be a very comedy funny comedy routine like if you know like a guy trying to date a, a woman and just being like, well, you know, I. If you might be interested <laughs> right, in <exactly>. possibly, <laughs> yes. I, I, I don't know your availability <laughs> and I certainly don't want to presume in any way, you know, like it, it yes. can complicate things, it's I suppose. It's going to be complicated, but, yeah, yeah. but you know what? Thank God for a little bit for the Yeah, not I'm, to I'm be certainly the not pushing no, back no, no. <laughs> against these guys being outed. Like, but it's please, definitely yeah. going to be, but the, the uh, I think <laughs> what needs to be in question is just this entitlement that men have that they literally run the world that they can yeah, get yeah. what they want to serve themselves and not even understanding inherently that women are have any worth outside of how they augment a male's experience. Right. And I think that that's what we're pushing back against. And that we're allowed to like somehow live in a dual reality where it's like everyone knows that this stuff is not okay, but on another level within these communities, especially like power structures like Hollywood or, or whatever, it's just kind of like, like, that's the way it goes. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah, he yells and he screams and he also sort of rapes people. Like, but you know, yeah, that's, the paycheck's that, really nice. That's the deal. That's how it's always been, you know? Yeah. But like, and somehow we're supposed to occupy that totally yeah. schizophrenic dual reality, right? Like, and then, know, and like, then I'm, and then, yeah, women that want to take a stand against that, then they're ejected from blackball, yeah, black literally, whatever. and it's just, um, yeah. So then this comes. That's also the version, a version of literalness, though, that I think we're, you know, and why I think the punitive culture is problematic because it's like, well, on the one hand people need to evolve their understanding of existence. It's right. like, if I can convey to you as a male that might not have understood what I was going through and then suddenly you have a sense of what it's like to be me and why I haven't been heard and like maybe seeing how you might have contributed to that. And then if you then now understand it, thank God, let's now go make things together. Right. I don't right. need to, I don't need you to like, I don't need to like abuse you and right. Now be right. On top it shouldn't and like, always be a zero sum game. Like either yeah. I, you know, right. Everyone, right. Yeah. My enemies are strewn in the streets. Like, yeah, that's definitely. So then yeah, you like, know, religion, I think most religions are all about unity and bringing people together. And it's just a very hypocritical sort of thing when people then, are more punitive. It's such a strange. It was a consciousness thing too. I think it's there's certain people's consciousness exist at like I'm right, you're wrong. I'm right, you're wrong. Right, right, right. Instead of being like, oh, maybe we're all kind of wrong, and we're also all kind of right. I mean, the thing is, like, I think following on from what you're saying, like, we need we need to jostle against one one another so that we can actually like express the things that we need to. You know, like, I mean, that 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 these conversations can happen and any kind of progress. Right. can happen, right? right? Maybe it wouldn't happen. I don't know if, if there was this kind of more kind of utopian collective kind of, you know, consciousness that you're sort of pointing at. But like, but I, I guess what I'm thinking is that what we need is to not kill each other, but <laughs> we need to struggle sometimes. You know? Yeah, like, we need to be able to, <laughs> here's, here's this, um, here's something that I've realized, like, we do need to be able to fight with each other. Yeah. But we need to be able to fight with each other where it's like safe fighting. Right. Right. Where, you know, we're not going to we recognize each the other life. person's humanity. We're not yeah, trying yeah. to destroy one yeah, yeah. another. Like, so, yeah, I yeah. I've been getting mad at my guy friends lately and I've been really standing up to them and chewing them out and being like, dude, yeah. enough. You just need to take some responsibility. And now it's like they're like, oh, I'm so afraid now. Like, I can't say anything. It's like, no, 
<laughs> you can talk, but maybe for once you should just listen and understand that there is something you are not getting. And right. if you can just open yourself up to the possibility that you are not, un you don't understand everything already, then we can move on and like start having fun again. But like, right, right. I'm just mad at you because I've, I'm just trying to communicate and you're not, you're refusing to hear me. I've spent my whole <laughs> life understanding you right. like women bend over backwards to try to be a part of a man's world, try and adopt the point of view. And it's not working for us because it's, we're, we're still, it's just not working. So right, right. could you understand what I'm trying to get at? <laughs> yeah. And well, and if they want to push back and they actually have something to say while right. listening to what you're saying, yeah. then fine, yeah. you know, but um, like, you know, <laughs> but if, but if they, they don't, then that thing of like, I don't feel safe anymore. Like that's, yeah, that's yeah. a dodge. That's yeah. they're, they're not sitting with right. what you're giving them. You right. Know, like, well, and then it's also it's like maybe because that's their ego thing. They don't want to admit that maybe they're uh, wrong. And I was uh, like, well, guess what? As a woman, I have had uh, 30 years of experience of <laughs> I'm wrong all the time, sorry, even if I'm not wrong. Sorry, yeah, yeah right, I mean, I'm just, right. I'm constantly apologizing for things and I feel so ill and I'm so sick all the time and I'm wondering why. It's because I'm literally living in backwards world. Yeah. So it's exciting that this is all coming out. I think it only, now we've definitely gone on a tangent. Religion. Um, evolutionarily, no, no, it's good, it's good. Evolutionarily, it's good. <laughs> I, think it, um, I think it has evolved our consciousness. When people have mystical religious sort of experiences, it actually elevates our consciousness within, allows us to have these sorts of higher-ended conversation. Yeah, if anything, it enables us maybe to transcend some of the the stupid kind of fact-based realities that we get kind of stuck in, you know, where it's yeah. like, this has happened to me and that happened to, and yeah. this is the story of our little We need to go fight, right pick up a gun, yeah, go yeah, kill yeah. somebody yeah, yeah. if you have like a religious you're or mystical. into a narrative or whatever. <laughs> yeah, sorry. If you have like on. a mystical experience, you could be like, wait a second. Oh, I see. This is all, <laughs> we're all in this together. Wait a minute, bro. I could turn <laughs> this gun into a bomb. Whoa. <laughs> no, Dude, that's tight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think we have, we have 10 minutes left and, uh, and I, we could do, let's do let's one more. Yeah, yeah, real quick. So this is um, David Eagleman, the neuroscientist, talking about creativity. The video is called Understanding Creativity, Why Brain Hacks Don't Help. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. There are many books that exist on creativity and it's about, hey, do this, uh, take a hot shower, take a long walk in nature, be in a pink room or something. Um, what my co-author, Anthony Brandt, and I really strove to do here was to figure out what is below all of that. What is, what is the basic cognitive software that's running in the human brain that takes ideas in and smushes them up and crunches them and it's like a food processor that's constantly spitting out new ideas. What is it that's special about the human brain that allows creativity to happen? Because when you look at us compared to all the other species on the earth, we have very similar brains. I mean, you know, obviously we're just, we're cousins with our, with our nearest neighbors and all throughout the animal kingdom. It's a continuous family tree. But there's this one species that has gone, that does these incredible, we're in New York City right now. 
And when I flew in here, it's like looking at a motherboard that has risen from the earth. And when you fly over a forest, it looks the same as it did a million years ago. So we're running around the planet doing something unbelievable. You don't have squirrels going to the moon or dogs inventing the internet or cows doing theater plays for one another or any of the gajillion things that we do. We're, we're doing something really different and, and that's, what, uh, that's what Anthony and I have really tried to understand. What's special about the human brain is that we, during the evolution of the cortex, got a lot more space in between input and output. So other animals have these much closer together so when they get some stimulus they make a essentially reflexive response. In humans, as the cortex expanded, there's a lot more room there which means that inputs can come in and sort of percolate around and, and get stored and get thought about and then maybe you make an output or maybe you don't. And there's one other thing that happened with the expansion of the cortex which is that we got a much bigger prefrontal cortex. That's the part right behind the forehead. And that is what allows us to simulate what-ifs, to separate ourselves from our location in space and time and think about possibilities. I love reading about the brain and I've attempted to unstick myself for years and I've done a lot of different modalities and have read a lot of different theories. About, you meditate? I meditate. Yeah. Um, actually, I got into the brain uh, reading about the brain because I um, I randomly did a 21-day 21 medi meditation wow. channel challenge like five years ago. Oh, um, 21 days meditating every day. I, I was thinking you went on a retreat for no, 21 days. No, no, no. Days, it was so just like no, a little, okay. it was just a seven-minute meditation, okay. and I did 21 days in a row with a friend who just was like, and I thought it was going to be the hokiest thing in the world. And at the time, I had really horrible stomach problems that um, were basically debilitating, and I had gone on all these diets trying to fix them. Within 21 days, my stomach stopped hurting. Huh? And not only that, I didn't even realize I had... Um, Essentially, my brain was just a cacophony of me beating myself up and saying the same things over and over again. Yep. I would say something out loud, and it would just bounce around in my head for days. I was so embarrassed. Within 21 days, that kind of had stopped. And so I kept meditating, and I don't hear thoughts in my brain anymore. Like, I don't hear words. Mm. I have impulses, and I think, mm. but they're not, like, I'm not nervous. That chatter is not The chatter is not there. So I think we really are of multiple minds. Yeah. So there's different layers in our brain. They all serve different functions. And what meditation does or what things like taking a shower or doing a walk, what they're doing is they're just synchronizing our brain to work together. Mm -hmm. The different, the, the two lobes and not only that, like it actually quiets our prefrontal cortex, which is in charge of like making us chatter. And it's right. like what makes people very literal. It's a literal part that of our brain. That stuff is like noise in the system, you know? Yeah. It's like that's interfering with this slack that we're supposed to have. Yeah, so yeah. we're supposed to have this slack and this openness and this spaciousness yeah, yeah. for ideas to arise out of. And, you know, there's also a part of us creatively. So meditation helped me with the prefrontal cortex, the noise. <laughs> then I had to go to therapy to deal with the other part, which is right here, the limbic part of your brain or whatever it's called, the reptilian part of Just your brain. Just fear. And, yeah, and which is what most animals have. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's the subconscious. It's what drives all of our fears and all of the things that basically get in our way. And that's much harder to communicate with because it doesn't speak in words. Mm. And oftentimes we 
don't even know what's happening. We just know that we're anxious or, you know, it's right. It, right. So these are rather than thoughts, you know, you're, you're not good enough, etc. This is, these are feelings that flood yeah. the system. And they're know? a yeah. lot of them are body. Um, it's actually your, your body communicates to that part of your brain. So mm. your body has uh, defense mechanisms that, um, kind of get caught that if you don't let your brain process them, um, they just live and they're just happening over and over and over again. It's like fight or flight. You're yeah. triggering fight or flight responses. Yeah, and um, yeah. and the things that you react to are stored in your brain. And so like familiar situations then trigger them. And if you don't let them play out um, or if you like, you know, our brains, we stop things from playing out. We don't let emotions evolve because we've been taught that having emotions bad, but that part of your brain Every time you stop it, it doesn't it doesn't allow the sort of natural emotional response response, which is actually very short, to evolve. All of these things are interruptions of flow in the yes. system, basically. Yeah. So they're they're blockages that we're partly doing cognitively or whatever, but they're they're blocking flow. Like, yeah. So yeah. they're blocking the natural. It's basically our brains are not working together. All right. of our brains. So not integrated or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. when you do things like a meditation or you take a shower or you take a walk or you do something you really love, like you start painting, what's happening is, is you're actually, first of all, your prefrontal cortex can, gets to shut up because you're not paying mm -hmm. attention to it. Because right. all of this is also about attention. So your prefrontal cortex shuts up. The limbic part of your brain, the emotions get to play out. The ones that you're feeling are caught in a loop. They evolve naturally, right. and when they evolve naturally, they stop being triggered, and then all of a sudden, you're being able to be creative again, because gotcha. you're just in sort of a, an empty space, and yeah, that's just my, that's my experience, and based on things that have worked for me and all the things that I've read. That's cool. No, yeah. you've gone deep into this. Yeah, I, I and it goes from both ends. Here's the other thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we can be very literal about it. We can look at it from a neuroscientific point of view. Right. But if we're, one of my big things as in a very emotional person and living in a world where people don't respect emotions or think that they're valid or real, okay. I've had to go very deep into processing emotions and recognizing that it's all sort of together. And you can't really understand the brain if you're not actually understanding uh, the emotional responses that are being triggered by your body. I sometimes think that that is our problem, you know, and what I think relates to what you're calling literalness, which is this, the explanatory tendency. Like when we try to, exp like we get caught up because we can't come up with a perfect explanation mm -hmm. for things, right? Yeah. So we're looking for the right words. And a lot of these fights happen because because certain things can't be expressed can't in be conveyed. words. Yeah, you, know, you can't. Like, religion can't be conveyed yeah, in yeah, words. Yeah, that's yeah. why we do the symbols, and that's when people take them literally. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, so I love being literal. It's part, you know, <laughs> it's my, it's very helpful when I'm making decisions and organizing things. Right, and how to organize a film shoot. Exactly, yeah. like that's where that comes in handy, but when I'm trying to talk about a bigger human experience, it's like, like I can't really use that part of my brain, and and then that's why half my movie is me just like, like not talking <laughs> or just trying to be like, here, let me just do a goofy dance because this is what I'm trying to <laughs> talk about. Yeah, I think that's I think that's as good a place as I need to leave it. Noelle Wells, I've really <laughs> enjoyed having you on the show. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you. That was so fun. It was totally fun. And um, Mr. Roosevelt, your film, it's yeah. in theaters right now. There's... Uh, not so much neuroscience in it, but it is it is delightful and smart and funny and Thank everyone you. should go see it. Thank you, and it'll come out on Netflix December twenty sixth. Awesome.
Thanks so much for listening to another twisty, turny conversation here on Think Again. Public service announcement. We are back next week, and then we're going to go dark or silent, however you say it in podcasting, for three full weeks, returning on January 13th, 2018, with a whole new outlook. Well, same basic outlook, but we're going to be back on January 13th. If you want to keep the conversation going in the meantime, please feel free to join our Facebook group, Friends of Think Again, a Big Think podcast. Lots of you have already joined, and things over there are always very smart and lively. Next week, I'm back for one last episode before our break with German-Turkish filmmaker Fatih Akın. See you then. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.